This is Grafted Together with ACSI Chief Ministry Officer, Jerry Nelson. In our last episode, we explored some philosophical and theological foundations to help us think well about AI. We concluded that we should prioritize kingdom advancement, trust in God alone, see AI as a tool and a gift from God, not as a savior nor an enemy, that we should affirm human beings as special creations of God, not AI. And lastly, we concluded that how one uses AI is a product of their worldview. Hi, I'm Jerry Nelson. This is Grafted Together. In this episode, I want to explore and highlight some practical ways we can use AI to improve stewardship of relationships, time, talents, and treasures, and then use AI to enhance creativity, productivity, and social responsibility. But before we do that, it's important that we address a key worldview question still left unanswered in our last episode. What is the essence of humanity and the nature of human consciousness? This is a key exploration that has implications for how educators educate, and more so the practical considerations we desire to implement in our classrooms and in our schools. My premise is this, a clear understanding of what is essential to being human is necessary for sound practical application. If point number four is true, how one uses AI as a product of their worldview, it's imperative that we understand and possess a biblical worldview of humanity. The consequences of an unbiblical understanding of what it means to be human is well documented throughout history and most graphically in the 20th century. It was Aristotle who is credited with saying, the least deviation from the truth is multiplied later a thousandfold. Therefore, rather than jump to practical considerations, I want to ensure that you, the listener, understand the foundation to which these practical considerations are anchored. As noted, AI is here, at least two phases of it. We have not reached phase three and four, theory of mind and self-awareness. And so you may ask why this is important. Well, it's my opinion that if we explore these and truly understand these, it will temper our expectations of what AI could do for us, as well as give us insight into a phase three and four possibility. I am of the present opinion that the following exploration of these considerations will yield a conclusion that a phase three and four possibility, and again, this is just my opinion, will require supernatural intervention, divine or demonic to implement. As it stands now, the programmer's understanding of human consciousness is limited, nor has technology developed to the point of being able to gather and process the data necessary to achieve singularity. So if we are to heed Gilder's warning of not trekking down the pathway of prioritizing the development of singularity and machines rather than human beings, then as we develop the technology, we must take an approach where the technology is complementary or subservient, if you will, to the pursuit of truth and the general welfare of humankind. Anything that could potentially enslave a portion of humanity may not be good for humanity at all. There seems to be an approach to the use of AI 
uh, that has a ring of truth. And that is the emergence of what is called augmented intelligence. Perhaps this is direction, the direction that we all should head, believers especially. Granted, experts of AI would state that everything that we call AI today is augmented intelligence since it relies on human input and doesn't make decisions in a completely independent way. According to BuiltIn.com, augmented intelligence refers to the assistive role artificial intelligence can play in improving human decision-making, which is different from the popular conception of AI in which computers replace humans. It is considered a subset of artificial intelligence that seeks to center the ways humans and machines can work together, not remove the human element from certain work. But again, before we dive into the ways that we can use AI assistively, I revisit my unanswered worldview question. That is, what is the nature of humanity and human consciousness? And what I want to do is form first the biblical basis of our understanding. For believers, we need not look any further than the creation account to give us insight into what it means to be human. And I want to make an important philosophical distinction here. There is a difference between what is necessary and what is contingent to being human. That which is necessary is that if it is changed, would change the entire composition of the thing. That thing was ceased to be what it is because the essential elements no longer are present. So, for example... Ice cream has specific properties that make it ice cream. Although it shares properties or ingredients with other foods, say sorbet for that matter, there are essential elements that distinguish the two. Those things that are contingent are things that, if changed, the essential elements are unaffected. For example, chocolate ice cream and strawberry ice cream are both still ice cream, though the flavor, the contingent part, are different. By changing the flavor of the ice cream, the ice cream doesn't lose its ice creaminess. However, removing the milk essential to ice cream makes it sorbet. This example applied to humans infer that though humans exist across the planet in all shapes and shades, the essence of humanness is not contingent on the shapes and the shades. The Genesis account shines light on those essential qualities of humanity that bind us all together regardless of where we are in the universe. Therefore, our exploration of humanness is not based on shapes and shades or geographical regions or historical context. It is based on the fundamental design of what it means to be human. Well, if humans are just simply deterministic, not made in the image of God, but simply a complex arrangement of atoms, then that, co that code can be sourced, copied, and duplicated. However, if humans have consciousness, something that emerges from intangible elements, then the origins of its location must be discovered, understood, then sourced. But as Gilder has asserted, consciousness is not produced by speeding up the firing of electrons. As Christians understand, God breathed special life into human beings that wasn't shared with any other living thing. 
So let's explore really quickly what it means to be made in the image of God. There are five general characteristics about humans uh, that we can draw from Scripture. We are physical, we are self-aware, we are stewards, we are creative, and we are communal. Well, humans are distinct creations of God infused with his spirit. The plants nor the animals have been given this spirit. The image of God is intangible. That is, it doesn't have tangible features, things that we can uh, touch, but it manifests itself in human activity that, again, is distinct from animals and plants. The image of God is the source of consciousness, consciousness, the origins of mind, our minds, the origin of intellect, and intellect, the origin of creativity all allowing us to contemplate and explore, though in part, the divine. In other words, only humans can understand God because it is our intellect that fundamentally distinguishes us in kind, not in degrees, from animals and plants. Number one, we are physical beings. We cannot meaningfully speak about what it means to be an image bearer without it manifesting itself in tangible ways, those things we can experience with our senses. This reminds me of Raphael's painting, uh, The School of Athens, which depicts Plato and Aristotle in the center of this early 16th century fresco. Plato is pointing uh, up, symbolizing that what is real is the idea of a thing or the essence of a thing. And Aristotle is pointing down symbolizing that we cannot truly know a thing until it comes into existence. This painting symbolizes the philosophical tension that has existed for two millennia. And the principal philosophical inquiry, and for the Christian educator, the key worldview question, what is the essence of reality? What is really real is what is at stake here, especially as we consider artificial intelligence. Well, thankfully, God has solved the deb debate for us in the Genesis account. We know what man is because he was brought into existence with observable characteristics. He was made from star stuff, to quote Carl Sagan, the dust of the earth, the fundamental elements of the universe. Self-awareness. We are aware of our own existence and have the ability to articulate our awareness through the development of language, and we have the unique ability through this technique that we call writing that gives us the ability to record our thoughts and pass them along to our posterity. We have no record of the history of chimps or gorillas or what they thought about themselves and the exploration of where they even came from. Of course, if self-awareness is a uniquely human trait, it raises the question of whether singularity is a possibility. Well, if humans struggle to understand their own existence, how can they program a computer to understand its own existence? Can the creature rise above the creator? Again, along the technological limitations, the development of a theory of mind doesn't seem possible if the programmers have a deterministic view of reality stewardship. Adam is given dominion over all creation and given the task of naming the animals. 
humans are granted a level of autonomy in accordance with the will of God. With authority comes a level of autonomy, and the exercise of autonomy necessitates a degree of creativity, which we'll explore next. If someone does exactly what is instructed, how different are they than robots? You know, input code, then execute the command. By simple observation, humans don't operate that way. Stewardship means boundaries, but it doesn't mean absence of creativity. Additionally, a key part of stewardship is responsibility. Therefore, we are to exercise our creativity in a responsible way. What has been called responsible dominion. This is responsibility to God, the creator and owner of all things by multiplying what we have been placed in charge of. Creativity. That is, human beings to greater or lesser degree have a say in or can imagine for themselves how they might accomplish what they have been assigned to do. In other words, our imagination and creativity are gifts to be used to accomplish what the Lord wills, not only for our benefit, but to bring him glory with the joy of doing similar things that he has done. God could have named the animals, but he allowed Adam to flex his creative muscles something that Christian educators must give space for students to do. Again, we don't create from nothing. We use the material of the universe to create. We use our intellect to understand the universals of the universe and make abstractions to fuel creativity through imagination. Again, even our imaginations are based on what we understand and perceive in the physical realm. I mean, a unicorn is a cross between a horse and a narwhal. Just saying, you know, what's a centaur? a monitor, a sitar, a fawn, a mermaid, and aliens. Aliens are just deformed humans crossed with octopi, dogs, goats, and bulls. You get the point. Each time we imagine and then create, I believe we get a glimpse of the majesty of God. Human beings have been uniquely given authority over all creation, except authority over other human beings. And then lastly, human beings are communal. The Genesis account uh, tells us that it was not good for man to be alone and that he needed a help fit. So God created woman, which Adam creatively named her. <laughs> Therefore, humans are meant to live in community. We are by nature social beings. If there is anything instinctual about us, it is a desire to fellowship and share our lives with each other. The evidence of this is that we form societies that accomplish great things through cooperation. It can be argued that this is not uniquely human, but this can be stated in another way. In order for humans to experience full humanness, they need each other. This desire to live in community and keep the bond of community strong is because God endowed us with emotions. We are not only rational beings possessing the ability to think, imagine, and be creative or volitional, having the ability to choose, but we are emotional. We are able to feel in such a way that it affects and impacts our entire being, both our thinking and our choosing. This emotional capacity correlates with our temperament. This rational, volitional, and emotional capacity manifests itself uniquely in what we call personhood. And this personhood manifests itself in a physical existence. All of it together is how we experience 
the world. Now, now that we have briefly explored what it means to be human and made some distinctions between humans and all other things, perhaps we can now think more biblically about our potential use of AI. Remember, humans are the centerpiece of God's creation. Everything else is subservient, and we have been given responsible dominion over everything else. There's only one God, one Lord, and we answer directly to him as special creations. So within this framework and with this framework in mind, here are some questions to consider. How can AI increase our knowledge of God and of ourselves? So think self-awareness. How can it enhance our worship? How can we increase biblical worldview development through the use of AI? How can AI help us to be better stewards of our resources, both our human resources and our capital resources, especially those things that we have been put in charge of? And as it relates to stewardship, how can it enhance productivity of regular and rote tasks, particularly time management? How can improved time management through AI create additional space for creativity? How can AI accelerate talent development? Again, fueling creativity and imagination. How can we creatively enhance social responsibility and develop solutions to increase the development of God-honoring communities? Remember, we are communal. How can we use AI to improve well-being and increase longevity? With these questions in mind, within the framework of who we are as human beings, I propose that augmented intelligence is the approach Christian educators should take to enhance our practices. Lastly, in an effort to generate ideas amongst Christian educators about how to think about using artificial intelligence, here are some ways it's currently being imagined and used today. And again, this is all according to builtin.com. Well, we are already using it. You think Alexa, Siri, Cortana, Dash for our Dropbox users, or any virtual assistant. It doesn't make decisions for us, right? So think search engines, email spam filters, plagiarism checkers, viewing recommendations by streaming video services. Online stores are using data analytics to predict customer uh, preference. It can suggest the op optimal uh, store layout uh, and product placement to merchandisers based on shopping data, such as foot traffic patterns. Political think tanks are using big data analytics to identify undecided voters. Doctors are using it for medical analysis of case files to identify efficient treatment options. Surgeons and healthcare providers are receiving recommendations on pa patient treatments based on a mountain of medical data. Dermatologists are using it. Biotech companies are using this um, as they look for signs of uh, cancer. Factory automation, again, overseen by employees. Predictive maintenance of factory equipment based on past data. Virtual customer uh, service assistance based on natural language processing. Mobile video games are using it to create surroundings uh, in an augmented reality. Virtual tutors and instructors for distance learnings. Airplanes and, and drone autopilot systems. Again, 
for required for takeoff landing and unexpected events. Investment and financial applications are utilizing, uh, are infused with AI uh, to analyze patterns. And then the automotive world, yes, self-driving cars, they all use augmented intelligence. But I want to zero in for a second on the possibility for churches and discipleship programs and schools by way of extension. What about for churches and school discipleship programs? I can imagine inputting a combination of interest inventories of the parishioner, spiritual gift inventories, personality profiles to suggest ways a congregant to aid the local mission of the church or suggest ideal career pathways that are less job specific, but show opportunities across industries, right? Talk about advancing God's kingdom by helping each parishioner in uh, the church identify their unique gifts and their spiritual gifts in the Lord and matching them up with opportunities within the community. Again, the church or the school could input their mission, vision, and core values, uh, key community demographic information, and provide and profile of the congregant into a system for analysis of resource gaps and opportunities based on existing resources. In education, and I pose this question, what could we outsource to automation that helps us redeem time to do the things we enjoy most as educators. Think about research, right? Reading everything that is published on the internet and asking the software a question. And I think one of the key things that uh, educators can emphasize is the importance of critical thinking, teaching our students to ask the right questions because the information already exists out there, but do our students know what the right questions are? And again, another area that Christian educators could uh, utilize artificial or augmented intelligence with is in the application of biblical integration. Now, the implication for educators for the appropriate use of augmented intelligence, especially with large language models, really center, as I said before, on asking the right question, according to one university professor. This implies that educators especially at very early stages should prioritize thinking well, critical thinking as a necessary skill to using AI well. Now, I wanna deal with one last thing before we sign off here. AI is a disruptive technology. The likes of the printing press, steam engine, electricity, computer, and the internet. It will create a new digital divide, creating a digital chasm speaking of social responsibility. There are those who will get left behind uh, as this is one of the few inventions in the last 1,000 years that will create a new set of haves and have-nots. How do we responsibly keep the social and economic gaps closed as believers? The last thing anyone wants is for a digital priestcraft to emerge and plunge us into the 21st century version of the Dark Ages. In other words, the new digital chasm is between the non-AI savvy and the AI savvy. As one professor notes, AI may not take our job, but someone that knows AI better than you may take your job. Again, it can't be overstated that while there are many, many positive applications to the use of AI, 
there are many ethical implications that must be discussed. And because human beings do live in community, there must be some pathway towards truth and a resolution that benefits humanity and serves the greater good. Data privacy is a real and present hurdle, as Gilder forcefully warns in Life After Google. The essence of freedom and choice is to choose not to do something, such as share information or location. Could AI help Christians repair the educational ruins in the wake of 100 years of industrialized thinking around education that has prioritized the machine rather than the human being? Absolutely. The challenge of AI presents many opportunities to believers, not only technologically, but it gives us an opportunity to evaluate, reevaluate what we believe. It gives us an opportunity to self-reflect by reflecting on our past, reflecting on what we know about this universe and what God demands. And more excitingly, I think it gives us an opportunity to imagine how the world could be better for all humanity and how we as Christian educators could finally break free from an already expired 1950s approach to education that treats human beings like cogs in a machine rather than beings with cognition. My hope is that while there will be scores of those who use this tech to enslave humanity for their own gain, there will be equal or even greater stories of how this super tech was used for the glory of God. So to my fellow Christian educators, neither worship nor be afraid of this tech, but let's find ways to use this to usher in the kingdom of God, the coming of Jesus Christ as our savior, who is the sum total of all knowledge, truth, and wisdom. Until next time, this is Grafted Together. Grafted Together is a presentation of the Association of Christian Schools International. Learn more about biblical worldview and spiritual formation at acsi.org slash grafted together.